Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Flu season is here again, and this year so is the H1N1 flu virus. By taking some simple steps, you can help protect yourself and others. Wash your hands with soap and warm water for at least 20 seconds. Cough and sneeze into your arm, not your hand. Keep common surfaces and items like doorknobs and keyboards disinfected. To find out more, go to fightflu.ca or call 1-800-O-Canada. Knowledge is your best defense. A message from the Public Health Agency of Canada. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. December's end, two neighbors called on an old friend. And they found his shop so meager and lean, made gay with a thousand bows of green. And Conrad was sitting with faces shining when he suddenly stopped as he stitched a twine. And he said, Oh, friends, at dawn today, when the cock was crowing the night away, the Lord appeared in a dream to me and said, I'm coming your guest to be. So I've been busy with feet of stir and strewing my shop with branches of fir. The table is spread and the kettle is shine, and over the rafters the holly is twined. Now I'll wait for my Lord to appear. And listen Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talk Star Radio Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 24 Asian countries, and across Europe. And I was told today we picked up three more stations in Michigan. So, well, state of Michigan, welcome to the X-Zone. If you'd like to give us a call, one 877 That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. My guest this hour is Lloyd Auerbach, and uh, Lloyd is the director of the Office of Paranormal Investigations and author of, amongst other books, Ghost Haunting, How to Investigate the Paranormal and Hauntings and Poltergeist, the Ghost Hunter's Guide, 
both from uh, Ronan Publishing. His first ESP, I'm sorry, his first book, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeist, which uh, came out in 1986 from Warner Books, dealt with the uh, ways parapsychologists investigate psychic phenomena outside the laboratory and the misconceptions of the phenomenon held by the public. And joining me today is Lloyd Auerbach. Lloyd, always great having you with us. And uh, have things changed a lot since those early days when you were one of the one of the very first credible uh, investigators out there when it came to investigating the the unknown, the unseen, the paranormal? Well, um, things things have changed a little bit, uh, certainly with the public, but I have to correct you and say that I'm about 100 years late to be one of the first credible investigators of things outside the laboratory. Um, most people are unaware that uh, the field has got a long history, both in the U.S. and over in the U.K., Going back to the start of the well, I guess I, I I guess I yeah. should have I should have said on this show. Oh, on the show, yes, yeah. yes, I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. But um, yeah, I, I think things have changed in the sense that there is more discussion mm-hmm. of paranormal topics, certainly in the media. Uh, there certainly are groups popping up all over the place that express an interest in certain types of psychic phenomena, you know, the ghostly type thing specifically. Um, and from the laboratory side, from the work from the scientific side, the change has unfortunately been uh, fewer dollars coming into the field. So there's less opportunity for researchers sometimes to do the research that they'd like to do from a scientific perspective. So it's been good in terms of numbers, but bad in terms of support. All right, Lloyd, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Oh, tell me about it. I went to the uh, the hardware store the other day to get something, and they hadn't gotten rid of the Halloween stuff, and there was all the Christmas stuff already. Oh, come on, guys. Give it a break. We need a little bit of a lapse between the two. Lloyd Auerbach is my very special guest this hour. www.mindreader.com. That's www.mindreader.com. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. Email exon at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger talkstarradio at hotmail.com. Lloyd Auerbach and I will be back in two minutes discussing the paranormal here, live and around the world on Talkstar. There's a tree in the Grand Hotel, one in the park as well, a sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow.
Welcome back, everyone. Lloyd Auerbach is our special guest, www.mindreader.com. Uh, Lloyd, what are the opportunities for people today to to get proper training and be educated you know, in the paranormal field compared to, let's say, 10, 15 years ago? Well, there, there are more and more opportunities for learning good information because, partly because of the Internet and, and the spread of information that way. In fact, it was just announced this summer that Coventry University in the U.K. is doing a master's program in parapsychology, uh, which they will do for distance learning as well as for their local students. So that's a fully accredited master's degree program that's out there. Um, I offer courses both distance learning and locally here in California, and the Ryan Research Center offers lectures, which you can attend via teleseminar. I'm actually starting to do telephone seminars myself, in fact. And there's more of us that are trying to come up with uh, ways of providing good information to not just the paranormal community, but also to anybody who's interested in any aspect of psychic phenomena. Uh, there's actually a big disconnect between the ghost hunters and parapsychology. So. Uh, a lot of them are self are teaching each other mm-hmm. bad habits, yeah. you might say. Um, they're not really reaching out, and most of them don't even know the word parapsychology. They don't know the, that there is a, a, a field that their supposed group fits into or their phenomena fits into, which is really a shame. I, uh, I, 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 I lose it when they start calling themselves investigators and, or parapsychologists, yeah. and they haven't got a clue. I mean, right. a clue on what they should be doing. Well, you know, it's really interesting to me that to them, and first of all, their role models are TV people, yes. you know, like the ghost hunters and folks, who themselves are not giving a good investigation model at all. They go into a place, they set up shop for a couple, a few hours, they see if anything happens, mm-hmm. and then they give a report. And that, to me, and, you know, those guys, Jason and Grant, are nice guys, but they're also plumbers, and this would be like them in their plumbing job going into a house and listening for noises in the pipes or looking for a leak. And then at the end of their visit, telling the folks, yes, you have a leak, and then leaving. So they're not investigating why there's a leak. They're not trying to figure out what the cause of that is. So they're not really doing an investigation. They're doing um, a spot check. But Lloyd, why are so many people satisfied with, with watching these programs and feeling as if these people know what the hell they're doing? Well, I, first of all, a lot of people believe that what they see on TV on so-called reality shows is absolute fact. Um, I have a little uh, difference of opinion, you might say, over one of the episodes of Ghost Hunters. When I expressed that, I got some pretty bad hate mail from people who also were making statements like, uh, how dare this place make uh, these guys drive across country to investigate the restaurant? And the fact is, they didn't drive anywhere. Uh, Maybe the production people drove, but they flew. I mean, they show them driving because it looks better for TV. Yep. They don't crisscross the country in a van. Um, that's just a television thing. So television walk, is entertainment. It is. And, you know, sci-fi used to stand for the science fiction channel, and that, there is that fiction piece of it. Yep. Um, any, anything that's on TV, even the stuff that I've done, has been kind of dumbed down or changed, and, and you have to kind of look at it as perhaps there's, a, there's some information that's good in there, but that should make you curious. You should try to find out if, in fact, it is correct, if, if it's being presented that way, if you have a true interest. And the majority of people who watch the shows who actually do ghost hunting are enthusiasts or hobbyists. They're not serious about doing investigation or research as much as they they talk the talk. As a parapsychologist, Lloyd, what training have you had? Let's let let the listeners know what a true parapsychologist goes through. Well, and and I've had slightly different training than some of the other folks in my field, so I kind of give you a range. I personally have, um, besides focusing on 
topics around the supernatural and the paranormal in my anthropology undergraduate at, at Northwestern, I went on for a graduate parapsychology degree. So I went on for a science degree, master of science in parapsychology. Mm-hmm. That opportunity, other than Coventry University, is not really there for people these days. But if you look at the majority of folks in the Parapsychological Association, I'll get to more of my background here in a second, but if you look at most of the folks in the Parapsychological Association, they are trained in some field of social or physical science. So they have real grounding in a field of study that can be applied to looking at psychic phenomena. In my case, after graduate, after I finished graduate school and I worked at the American Society for Psychical Research, so I worked in the field there. I worked back at the graduate parapsychology program when it existed at John F. Kennedy University, taught graduate courses in the subject, uh, did field work, you know, work with my colleagues. You know, we share information amongst each other freely. That's what journals and that's what discussions are for. Uh, and we ask each other's opinions and we have discussions, not arguments about um, different aspects of things. And I have a real connection in the field, which is what we ask people to do. Um, And one step, actually, for folks out there, the Parapsychological Association now allows people to become affiliates uh, as opposed to just actually joining the organization. That's kind of supporting the organization and learning more about what the field is really all about. So uh, by calling yourself a parapsychologist, you really, there's that ology part. You should be studying what you're dealing with and that means really understanding the history of the field, that it goes back to the 19th century. It, under, it means understanding how field work relates to the laboratory work, because there is a direct connection between those two things, and how science actually works, which is something that I see very few people understanding. And that's not just in the paranormal community. That's just in general. I think here, um, probably all over the world, but definitely here in the mm-hmm. United States, people have a very little idea what science really is. Lloyd, in your opinion, what is the biggest mistake so-called paranormal investigators are making these days? It's actually a a two-part mistake. One is throwing the people out of their house who have called them in to do the investigation, Mm -hmm. because without the witnesses, you got nothing. I mean, you don't have anything you're even investigating. And And the second part of that is, when you do that, turning out all the lights. Yeah, why do they turn the lights out? Well, um, I think we can actually trace it back, for the most part, to television producers. Uh, you know, when I, was, I started doing television around the subject back in the early 80s, mm-hmm. and throughout the 80s when we did cases, did investigations for various TV shows, there was often this um, kind of whining from some of the directors that they couldn't turn the lights out to make it really look spooky because you had to have lights on to see. And then all of a sudden you had night shot, the yeah. Sony cameras had night shot on there, and now you had a real spooky opportunity. So it's for atmosphere, but that became the norm for the way they produce certain things. And actually, we never went we never went dark. Um, you'll see me in some of the clips that are out on the net uh, doing investigations during the day, mm-hmm. in fact, because that's when things happen. You have to go with that. But there's also the other aspect, which is at the other end of the spectrum, back in the 19th century and early 20th century, the early researchers were stuck in the dark investigating spirit mediums to see if they were real or not, because so many of the phonies needed to be in the dark and so they started using occasionally infrared photography in its fledgling form to catch the phonies. Not necessarily to catch the spirits, but to catch the phonies. So this idea of dark seances also came out of that era. Before that, people used to have seances in full light. So, so am, I, am I correct in believing, Lloyd, that most of the paranormal activity that you're aware of and other credible researchers like yourself happen during daytime hours? Not necessarily during the daytime, but certainly in the light. Um, so whether it is during the day or whether it is in the evening or early morning when people have the lights on, mm-hmm. 
most of the reports come in the period when people are awake and, in fact, can visually see everything else around them. Uh, there are cases on occasion where things happen in the middle of the night. I've had a few myself. But most of the time people are asleep and they wouldn't know. What about so, these places that we hear about? A Waverly mm-hmm. Institute, for example. Everybody sure. goes there. Everybody gets EVPs. Everybody gets the hell scared out of them. Like, why is it certain places maintain this this paranormal activity going all the time and other places the paranormal activity happens once and that's it? Well, you have to look at what the activity might actually be. If we're talking about actual ghosts, so mm-hmm. if we define that as spirits of people who start sticking around after death, there are very few long-term haunts like that, very few places. Waverly's not one of them. Uh, the Gettysburg Battlefield's not one of them. Those are places, however, that have, that have an imprint of history. They have psychic, you might want to call it psychic or otherwise just environmental information of its history imprinted there. And people pick that up and apparently, and because people use devices, we kind of help the device pick up what's there historically as well. So the EVPs folks are getting are either helped along by the living people, it seems, or are just the device is somehow connecting with the environment as well. Um, it's not sound. It's actually happening inside the device itself. But there are places that have this haunting imprint, this residual haunting, and, mm-hmm. and almost every place has got that. It, it's just that places that have a lot of tragedy, in fact, a terminal ward of a hospital, even that's working right now, will still be as active as a place like Waverly, in that sense. Mm. Well, then why is it so many people go to Waverly, they all come out with these EVPs, they all come out with shots of orbs, and I'll tell you something, when it comes to orbs, I don't, yeah. I don't believe in them. No. Um, you know, you have to, first of all, look at the timing of the orbs. We, we have so many camera companies who have come out and actually explained orbs. So many people can explain them as dust, not dust and flashback reflections. You rarely, if ever, see an orb taken in full light or taken without a flash. And an easy way to get rid of orbs is to have what's called a slave flash connected to your camera so that it's not actually on the camera. It's off to the side. Right. Um, the connection between orbs and, and spirits an orb just simply is a spherical object. I mean, it's not a word that was coined for the ghost community. Uh, it is uh, a, a circular light in, in the pictures that we see. It's flat. I mean, you don't see it with dimensionality. You don't see it look like a, a three-dimensional thing. So it looks very, very flat. And there was a group um, that's still around in the 1990s. Um, the folks running the group got a lot of publicity because they started making claims that ghosts were everywhere, and they started showing on their website these orb pictures claiming that these were spirits because ghosts are everywhere, and we get these pictures everywhere, therefore... These are, these are spirits. And that's about the most illogical conclusion anybody could reach. Lloyd, you and I so have to take took, a commercial... It took a life of its own. You and I have to take a commercial break, Lloyd. Please stand by. Lloyd Auerbach is our very special guest, Exonation. www.mindreader.com That's www.mindreader.com Now, when we come back from this news break... On the other side, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Lloyd. And uh, we're, I am, we're also going to find out how you can take courses, his course as well as other courses that, that, he, uh, that he promotes. And I'm going to ask Lloyd a question about one of the guests we had last night about a ghost being able to trip a, an, an infrared sensor on demand. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five toll free. Email exon at talkstarradio.com. on MSN Messenger talkstarradio at hotmail.com. 
and our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. Lloyd Auerbach is our special guest, www.mindreader.com. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Cease to Fields Organic Vineyard in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. I had no reason for shopping this season But I hung your stocking today It makes me feel better Though we're not together You'll always be Merry Christmas, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Lloyd Auerbach is our special guest, www.mindreader.com. Now, Lloyd, yesterday I spoke to a lady who has a paranormal uh, group in Niagara, and she was telling me that I believe it was at a haunted dollhouse in in uh, Fort Erie. They were doing something for Cineplex. And they were actually able to make an unseen entity trigger a infrared sensor on demand. Now, it, how can this be done? First of all, I thought I thought infrared sensors needed mass in order to to be to work. That is correct. They do, um, but here, here's the thing. Um, you know, one of the quest- one of the things that ghost hunters rarely ever make a connection to at all is the idea that when human beings um, move objects with their mind, it's called psychokinesis, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of laboratory research, enormous amount about how human beings can affect devices of all sorts, whether it's computers to telephones, to just about anything. Um, ghosts are people too, and if a ghost were to move an object, that would be still psychokinesis. So. The same ability that people have, probably even more unrestrained if they learn to use it after death, uh, people can affect devices. And one of the questions we've always had with devices, such as an IR infrared device or even the standard EMF trifield meter, which Mm -hmm. has got a little indicator on it, 
you know, when I get it, we've been in situations at the USS Hornet and other places that are haunted where we've had cooperation also on demand. We ask the ghost to affect the device. I have no idea if the ghost is giving off or affecting the electromagnetic field. All I know is that that needle is moving on demand, and it could be the ghost affecting the needle, not the device sensor itself. So on the other hand, if they affect the device, they could affect the sensor without necessarily generating an electromagnetic field through psychokinesis. But is it possible? Years ago, uh, excuse me. Is, is it possible that the person holding the device could be affecting the instrument as well? Absolutely. That, that that's the problem. I mean, this is the problem we have in the research laboratory in general. Something oh. called the experimenter effect. We don't know exactly who this what the source is. So, if you have the device going off and you have someone, a human being, seeing or experiencing a ghost, at least you have a shot that there's a ghost there. So you need a human detector to make that deter- determination to some extent. But I just want to mention that years ago at the American Society for Psychical Research, um, there was we had a, done some work with a martial artist named Guy Savelli. And one of the things that Guy claimed he could do is across the room he claimed he could break an infrared photoelectric beam. And we set up a, a security sensor, the same, same kind you would have in a, in a building to see mm-hmm. if somebody breaks the beam, you know, the kind you see on crime movies. Sure, yeah. And we hooked that up to a chart recorder, and he was able to actually break the beam from across the room. And then he taught me to do it, and he taught someone else to do it. We were actually able to do it just with a little prompting from him. Um, So you clearly can affect the device. We don't know whether the beam was broken or whether the device uh, was somehow affected through psychokinesis, but it was a psychokinetic effect. So, again, the source, we don't know if it's the experimenter, the person holding the device, you know, it's always interesting to me that there are certain people who always get EVP and mm-hmm. many people who don't. And to me, those folks have got to have some connection. Either they are connecting with the spirits that are there and helping them get their information into the device, into the recording device, or they themselves are affecting the recording device. Tell me, is EVP real? Or is this just another questionable area that could be actually being caused by the, the person holding the tape recorder? It definitely could be caused by the person holding the tape recorder. Uh, It's really hard to know. Again, you need other sensors to indicate that there is something outside the living people there. Mm -hmm. So you would need, to us in the field, you need the human detector. You need a human, whether it's the witnesses themselves who have called you in to begin with, or a psychic, or multiple psychics is even better, multiple people. Just have some indication from different types of sensors that there is some presence there besides the individual operator. Even then, it's possible that it still could be the operator. You know, one of the things you have to consider is that the people holding the devices may be mediums of sorts. They may be able to, again, help that entity affect the device, and they become kind of techno-mediums at that level. Um, It's pretty clear that EVP is not caused by sound. It is caused in the device itself, not by external sound being recorded on the microphone, because you can disconnect the mics. Right. And if there, in fact, there have been instances reported over the years of unopened cassette tapes placed in an area where people have seen a ghost, and then to have an EVP appear on that cassette tape. Now, that is strange. It's still mind over matter. So the, it's more of the human aspect than the paranormal aspect? Well, it could be mind over matter on the part of the entity. Ah, and when an object moves into haunting, in a case where you have ghosts present, it's very po- especially if it's been going on for years and years, it's the mind over matter, the psychokinesis of that entity, not necessarily of the living people. With all the years you have been doing credible research, 
and I underline credible there because you are one of the most credible researchers that I've ever had the pleasure of talking to on this show, Lloyd. Thank you. What has been one of the most astounding facts or, or, or showings of the paranormal that you have ever seen? Well, I think probably the most interesting, amazing incident that um, we've had over the years that I've been around. I've had a couple of them, but one of, one of them was back in 1993. Um, a friend of mine, Andrew Nichols, who's in Florida, he's a parapsychologist there, he and I had talked about a case they had in Archer, Florida. And we actually did a self-funded TV pilot, which uh, we almost sold a couple times in 94, and uh, working with a production company in L.A., and actually was partially funded by a Japanese TV company who came along and shot their own show. Kind of, We were the show within the show, so to speak. Working with a Japanese medium who's no longer with us by the name of Aiko Gibo, and I'd done a series of shows with her before. She was really interesting uh, psychic medium. She was fine with laboratory testing, but did great in the field. And we were in this house in Archer, Florida, and there was supposedly the ghost of a little girl. Um, the family was perfectly okay with the ghost because mm-hmm. uh, they actually bought the house because it was supposedly haunted. They wanted a haunted house. That, that just, they were Civil War enthusiasts, and they wanted something with history. And she saw the little girl. Now, at the time that she saw the first saw the little girl and started communicating with her, we had rented, uh, or I should say the Japanese company had rented a lot of state-of-the-art equipment for us at that time, which included um, an early thermal vision camera. So we were really the first people on video at all to use the, the heat sensor cameras. Right. We, we had different types of EMF detectors. We had Geiger counters, microwave detectors, and even a geomagnetic sensing station. We had whatever environmental equipment we could actually rent, put our hands on. And we had it all set up in this one room because it was a center of activity. Mrs. Gable claimed to be talking to the ghost, who was right below her hand, she said, a little girl, and everything... Every piece of equipment was going off, and everything seemed to be radiating from the point below her hands. Even the thermal vision, which should not have picked up anything in midair, according to the company, and they looked at the video footage and they couldn't figure it out, was getting a pulsing heat fog underneath the woman's hand, below her hand. So that was kind of astounding where we had all of that happen, and we also got an EVP at the same time. So to have all this equipment at the same time as the psychic is communicating supposedly with the girl, and when she, le- she left, everything stopped, the timing of it, there just wasn't anything that could set everything off like that. So we kind of, uh, that was a really astounding circumstance. And, and by the way, again, this was done with all the lights on in the room. Mm-hmm. Lloyd, where do these ghosts go after they have their brief encounters with us, or the very few that are... Fortunate, fortunate enough to have a run-in with them. How come they just don't keep running into people or running into other areas causing... Uh, I, it's not chaos, but causing things to happen abnormally. Well, you know, th- that's a really good question. You have to look at the reasoning behind why each individual entity might stick around. It seems like people who stick around have a pretty particular motive Mm -hmm. or motivation for staying here. It's often fear of what's next. It may be those situations where they don't know that they're dead and others are in denial. It may be those situations where they feel like they need to be around their family or around a place that they love very much. A lot of it has to do with not feeling secure about moving on, whatever that means, because we're really not sure what that actually means. Uh, They don't have bodies, so they don't need to sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, And time has, you know, there's no body clock, which is how we often determine time for us. So, in any communications folks have had over the years, whether it's the witnesses or psychics with various ghosts around the world, the time question is often, you know, and where they go is often a kind of an interesting thing, and they often say, well, I'm always here. 
but they're not necessarily always observing. Um, on the other hand, I've, we've had some really interesting fun with a ghost of, of one place called the Moss Beach Distillery here on the West Coast where we gave her advice about uh, traveling. And we asked her if she was getting bored with staying in the place and suggested she might see the world, and she, it was free to do so because you know, she doesn't have to buy a plane ticket. And the next thing I know, I'm getting, uh, I got an email unsolicited from Medium in Paris who asked me about, described the ghost that she was seeing, who told her to contact me, to find me on the Internet and contact me, and describe the same ghost. And then I've heard from a medium in Canada. I've heard from folks here in the United States. I've even been to conferences and had people walk up to me and describe the ghost standing next to me who apparently was sitting in on the lecture where I was talking about her. Now, that is amazing. So she's kind of, she's kind of, uh, and this, by the way, we, something we do when we talk about getting rid of ghosts in homes, mm-hmm. we've often, often offered, recently offered suggestions to people, to the ghosts, through either psychics or the witnesses, that, you know, have, isn't there any place you wanted to see when you were alive, instead of bothering these families, why don't you go where you need to go? I keep kidding me, telling people that when I die, that before I do anything else, I'm going to see the world. I was, good. I was just going to say, it sounds like you've opened up a ghostly travels, Inc. over there. Yeah, you know, it's Annette Martin and I have kind of started doing that. I know you've had Annette on yes, your show. Great lady. And uh, we, we consider ourselves travel agents for the dead. That's right. <laughs> um, have you ever been attacked or been threatened by a spirit or a ghost? No. Living people, I can't say the same. Mm-hmm. But never felt unsafe. Um, I have been in cases where I, sh- I would say that the, if the person was alive, they would certainly not be a person I would associate with. Um, you know, I could say some pretty nasty words about their personalities, let's say. But, but we've not seen the cases that people often talk about. It, there's a fear reaction people have, and people do trip over their own feet when they get afraid. And, in fact, that when people feel, for example, if you're in a case and you get a sensation like it feels like somebody's touching you, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's not really a physical sensation there. It's, it's more of a psychic sensation. People freak out, and they get hurt. And that, that's not something that I worry about at all. I worry about the living people. Yeah, the living. They're the ones you have to watch out for. Something that yeah. I find very annoying is when I talk to these so-called ghostbusters, and one of the main things they do is they never seem to respect the property of the owners of the place mm-hmm. that they're going to conduct their investigation. They, they, for some reason, they feel that they've got the free run of the mill, no matter where it is, how you know how big it is, or if it involves anybody else. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, there's even examples uh, that are showing up on, on television, cable television now, of guys you know doing that, doing all sorts of just bursting into places and yelling at the ghosts and misbehaving in general. And I'm not quite sure where that came from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, why people felt like they had a right to trample over all over cemeteries at night, and yeah. where they had the right to to force their way into a restaurant that just happened to be on a TV show, saying it was haunted. Um, it, it certainly is not ethical or moral, and people have been thrown in jail for it, which is rightly what they should be getting. I just don't understand that. And and to, to see some of those folks, those same groups that do this sort of thing, mm-hmm. on their website claim that they are following scientific protocols and they are, you know. They just kind of listen themselves as credible. It, it's absolutely incredible to me. It's it's truly scary. However, yeah. to the novice who is considering becoming a ghost hunter, this would be very attracting to them. Yeah, I guess it's it's you know it's a thrill seeking, it's a real thrill ride for them in that sense. 
they just are using it as an adrenaline rush? Yeah, I think so. I think there are certainly that segment that do that. There are people, I've met a lot of people who, who claim to have real curiosity, mm-hmm. but their curiosity ends at the data. I mean, it ends at getting a really cool EVP or a good orb picture. Not why the orb's there or what's behind the EVP, and they're not even interested in the other research or past research that's been done on the subject. And that's certainly hard, you know, not a scientific attitude, yes. and it's not even a professional attitude. So I think there are, are people who are interested in the personal experience, kind of the hunt. You, you found the butterfly, you've mm-hmm. caught the butterfly, you don't need to know how the butterfly changes from a caterpillar into a butterfly. Plus, I've often wondered, what would they do if they really did come across a ghost or a spirit? Yeah, you know, I, I don't. That's a really good question. I, I, I'm, I'd love to be able to organize the spirit world to have people, like, show up and wag their finger at them. Lloyd, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation. Nation, Lloyd Auerbach is our very special guest. If you'd like to find out more of the real world of the paranormal, www.mindreader.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we do our wrap-up for tonight here on the Exxon on Talkstar. Merry Christmas wherever you are. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our guests tonight. Our first guest of the evening was Sandy Donahue. We talked about how her York, how her Yorkie Jojo spills the beans. Our number two, Gay Shioni. We talked about her new book, Living Dreams. Dr. Rita Louise was my third guest this hour. We this evening we talked about body, mind, soul, and healing. And our guest this hour, Lloyd Auerbach parapsychologist, real parapsychologist, not one of these guys that go on the internet, find themselves a certificate uh, program and make themselves into a psychologist, parapsychologist. We're talking about a man who has paid his dues through the educational field. And his website is www.mindreader.com. That's www.mindreader.com. First of all, Lloyd, as always, great having you here in the X-Zone. And uh, what are you going to be doing in the near future? Are you going to be going on any other paranormal investigations? Do you have courses coming up? What's going on? Well, I do have courses coming up. I'll be teaching a ghost hunting class uh, here in Northern California very soon. I've got, um, on Tuesday, I've got two telephone seminars, mm-hmm. one on telepathy um, in an early hour from 5 to 6 Pacific or 8 to 9 uh, Eastern Time, followed by mm-hmm. a a short teleseminar on working with psychics and mediums and investigations, kind of how to do that, which will start a couple hours later, and folks can find out about that. 
Um, easy, the most easy, easiest way to do that is to go to my MySpace page and oh. look at my blog there, which is MySpace.com slash Lloyd Auerbach, or just send me an email at esper at sfo.com, and you get, get there from my mindreader.com website as well as my email. Uh, I've got other teleseminars coming up, including one on education in parapsychology, which is very, very cheap, and these are all cheap teleseminars, inexpensive or free in a couple of cases. And so I'll be doing more over the next few months, uh, just trying to get it out. And we, we also offer the MP3s of those as well. And then at HCH Institute, where I teach the Parapsychological Certificate Program, um, we're offering more courses starting in January again. As, and I want to mention and a couple things. One is that the courses are available for distance learning, and you can get to them through Jeff Belanger's website, ghostvillage.com. I know you're having Jeff on after me tonight. Uh, well, he was supposed to be coming on uh, tonight, oh. but apparently uh, something came up, and he contacted us earlier tonight saying that he can't, but we'll have him on next week. That's too bad. Yeah, I, mean, I work quite a bit with Jeff. He's a, He's a great, great guy. guy. He is a yeah. great guy. And that is one way to find out about my courses, is uh, the, the full courses, for which you can take individually or as a program as well. And the other big thing I've got going right now is that uh, I've been finishing up a professional chocolatier course to learn how to make Ooh. chocolate. So are you going to make paranormal chocolates? I am going to make paranormal chocolate. I'm going to make uh, chocolate for fortune telling and chocolate for in other ways too. And uh, I actually have a website already called hauntedbychocolate.com. I love it. And I'll have a book out in a couple months uh, on the subject of chocolate, which well, will include you... a chapter on research with psychic, ch psychics and chocolate. You know what? I, you're always doing something. You're a very busy guy, and I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us tonight here in the X Zone. So until next time you and I meet, my good friend, take care of yourself. Thank you, Rob. Good night, Lloyd. Lloyd Auerbach, www.mindreader.com. So that's it for tonight, everyone. Have a great weekend. I'll be back Monday night as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that we call the X-Zone. So until then, have a great weekend, have a safe one, and always remember to keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now. Boy and every girl Closing time One last call for